Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. Will you join me with me in prayer? Oh, gracious God, we pray that as we break open your word, that we may experience the miracle of your presence, sustaining us, feeding us, and leading us out into the world again with courage and hope. For we pray all of our prayers in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Laurie, for your kind words of introduction. It's always a joy to be back with you on Labor Day and worshiping with you. Uh, we have enjoyed worshiping with you online through the, through the year, and to be here with you in person is really a gift. Seven years ago, Jason Biasi, your senior minister, he had just come from the United States and was teaching at the Vancouver School of Theology, and he, he uh, said, Paul, who are, who are the really good preachers in Canada? Uh, and, and so I thought about it. I, I named a few people. I named uh, Andrew and Lori and several others. Uh, but if I was asked that question today, uh, I would probably put Jason near or at the top, not just of preachers in Canada, but also the United States and beyond. And I hope that you know how blessed you are to have him. And not just him, but all of your spectacular staff here and musicians. It's, um, it really does show that God is active in your midst. So I am honored to be and delighted to be in this pulpit again. Now, these are difficult times, and many people might wish that they had more faith to deal with them. This is the unofficial end of summer this weekend. Church programs begin, school programs begin, but we still haven't returned to our pre-COVID rhythms. Perhaps we never will. Physical church attendance is still recovering. Maybe some people have lost a sense of expectation that the church is a house of God and is a place where they might expect divine encounter. A pickleball friend recently said to me, it would take a miracle for me to believe in God. And maybe many of us would like a miracle to increase our faith, to have stronger hope for the tomorrow. Maybe a big miracle like winning Lotto 649. Or maybe for the, the Blue Jays to win the World Series in spite of all of their injuries. But what if God has acted dramatically in each of our lives and we just haven't noticed. If a miracle is an action of God, and that's how I define a miracle, I don't know how you do, I define a miracle as an action of God. 
if a miracle is an action of God, then faith is a miracle in our own lives. That at least is the idea that is in our text today. To begin his public ministry, Jesus performs a big, splashy miracle of turning loads of water into fine wine. Less noticed, our text is about another miracle, a smaller miracle if any miracle is small. It only gets six words right at the end of our lesson. And this is that second miracle. And the disciples believed in him. Comes right after he served the wine. And the disciples believed in him. They believed in him because he had turned water into wine. But what did they believe about him? They're at a wedding. Jesus, his mother, his disciples. It's in Cana, which we don't really know exactly where Cana is, but somewhere in northern Israel. And the wine runs out. Now, how is that possible? I mean, it would be like for us to go out for a drive and remember we don't have a car. Did somebody forget to order the wine? Did someone vandalize the wine cellar? We don't know. Somebody messed up and there is no wine. And Mary, who is sensitive to these things, she, she knows that if there is no wine, the celebration will end. Uh, weddings in those days, people came from all over and they expected to stay for several days celebrating and visiting. And if the wine is gone, then the celebration will end. So she says to Jesus, they have no wine. And then we hear Jesus' words, Echoing down through the centuries, those words that people have heard from generation to generation from Jesus as being brusque and almost rude. Woman, what is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. Maybe Jesus' words were brusque and rude. Or maybe it's the tone that we have wrong, and the tone changes the meaning. Maybe Jesus said, woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. If he said it that way, then he's, it's a beautiful thing that he's saying. He's He's enrolling her in his ministry. He doesn't just say, what, what concern is that to me? He says, what concern is that to you and me? He unites her, with her in his ministry at this, the very beginning of his public ministry. And she will be with him at the end of his public ministry, standing at the foot of his cross. Then Jesus adds, my hour has not yet come. 
And what is his hour? Well, his hour is that time of being crucified, dead, and rising again on the third day. He alludes to it in those words that we've all heard from John 3.16. And in fact, those are probably the most famous words in the Gospel of John. Sometimes if you're watching a, an American base, a football game, you'll, you'll see a sign in, in the stadium, John 3.16, that's all. But it's pointing to these words, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Wonderful words. At his hour, this hour, my hour has not yet come, when his hour has come, this will be for Jesus a moment of victory. And why? In the Gospel of John, it will be a moment of victory because the world will have exercised all of its powers they will have conspired against the innocent one who came to save them, and they will have put him to death, and their full power will be demonstrated to be empty. Because the world can only take life, and Jesus gives life, gives life to all who seek it. It's puzzling, though, that Mary says, they have no wine. And Jesus responds, my hour has not yet come. It doesn't seem to follow. But in Jesus' mind, there's a direct connection. When his hour has come, the people will have all of the wine that they need they will have the wine of his blood shed for them. Jesus seems almost reluctant in Cana to perform this miracle of water into wine, knowing that what he is going to accomplish on the cross. Many people today find that the wine has run out for them. We pray for the young people on the front lines in the war in Ukraine, people who are injured or dying, families of those people. We pray for a woman I heard from the Ukraine who said that her house had been destroyed by a bomb shortly after her husband had phoned and said that he was coming to fetch her and her daughters, their daughters, and he never arrived. He was killed along the way. I've lost everything, she said. Wine has run out for people closer to home as well, for whom daily life no longer has purpose or meaning. Tammy Landry Gilder writes, when I was 30 years old, my father took his own life. Two weeks later, I miscarried my first baby. I lost hope. I lost myself. I didn't talk much during that first appointment with a therapist who later turned out to me to be an angel. 
But whatever I said, I will never forget, made her cry with me. She wanted me to know that I wouldn't always feel the way I did right now. She told me there was hope. She said I had a future. She promised that I didn't have to end the thing, end, her, end my life the way my father had. The wine had run out at the wedding at Cana, and Jesus agrees to meet the wine, meet the need. Over on one side are six stone jars for the rite of Jewish purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons, capable of holding 20 or 30 gallons. I always assumed that the wedding was at some rich home, but now I wonder, well, was this not likely to be at a synagogue? I mean, where else would there be six huge jars for the Jewish rites of purification, all empty, ready for use? Jesus did not come, we know, to end the law. He came to fulfill it. But these Jewish rites of purification were not part of the law. They were secondary acts that were added later on to the law. And Jesus opposed them. He opposed them because they displayed a false kind of piety. Rites of purification like frequent washing of the hands before, during, and after the meal. Jesus, for Jesus, it wasn't just the stone jars that were empty. It was also these rites of purification that people used to persuade themselves that they were pious and pure. Jesus will provide a new way to be purified. He instructs the servers to fill the six jars with water. And he continues to visit among the wedding guests. It would have taken them quite a while to fill up 150 gallons. But when they do, they eventually come to him and he doesn't do anything dramatic. He doesn't go to the jars and say any words over the water. He doesn't touch the jars. He may not even see the jars. They may be out of his sight. He just simply says to the servers, take some of the liquid to the chief steward. So they go and they fetch the liquid and take it to the chief steward who tastes it and rushes to the bridegroom and says, it's not only that this water is wine, but it's the best wine. N normally we serve the best wine first, but this wine, by comparison, is even better than the wine that we had at the beginning of the celebration. How good is that wine? It's even better than Chateau Lafitte Rothschild 
at $1,500 a bottle. So the amount that has been produced, 150 gallons here, would be about a million dollars. I mean, this is an extravagant gift of wine. But it is not as extravagant as the gift Jesus gives of his own blood at the end of his ministry that people may drink it to their eternal life. Not through ritual cleansing will they be cleansed with water from stone jars, but by his blood shed for them. The CNE continues tomorrow and it's going to be closing with the usual bangs of fireworks and drones and all kinds of wonderful things. I, I, I think that when most of us watch that, uh, we're filled with awe. But we don't wonder, well, who's behind all of this? I mean, it's not really the point, is it? it we know it's a group of people, many companies, probably from many countries, with wonderful technologies. How different is the extravagant miracle of water into wine. People did ask, who is responsible for this at that wedding? Who is Jesus? He performs a miracle of water into wine because he wants to save the hosts from being humiliated for running out. But providing wine is not Jesus' main purpose. He, he changes the water into wine in order to reveal his identity so that his followers might believe in him. The real miracle that he focuses on, the more important miracle that he focuses on, is that he gives them faith. He is more interested in giving faith to his followers than in providing wine for the wedding. Providing wine at the beginning of his ministry anticipates the end of his ministry. When people will come to know that he is the best wine, the true wine that gives life, and those who drink his blood will hunger and thirst no more. Through faith in him, he purifies, guides, and strengthens. Strengthens us for what we have to do in this life and the next. Our faith is in itself a miracle, a gift from God. All we have to do is say, Yes, that's all we have to do. Just say yes. If you have faith today, however tiny, you have ample evidence of God acting in your life. 
you have been encountered by Jesus Christ. Jesus can take no faith and turn it into enough faith. He can take little faith and turn it into big faith. He can take strong faith and turn it into surpassing faith, gushing up to eternal life. In fact, it does not matter how big your faith is. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Any amount of faith is enough for you to perceive the many miracles of God acting in your life. Miracles like protection or forgiveness for the wrongs that you have done or the gift of hope for living tomorrow or the empowerment that you might reach out to others and help them in God's name. Miracles of water into wine are not always sudden, although they were at Cana. One retired man never spoke of his faith, and it took him several years of praying as he tended to the illness of his wife for him to discover the depth and richness of his trust in God. Another couple had separated for a year in their mid-age, middle age, and they got back together, and with faith and forgiveness and counseling, they ended up in their older years having far more love than they had before. But sometimes miracles are sudden. You may have heard of Dr. Mary Neal. She was a cultural Christian when she went to college. She believed in science, and she believed in her own wisdom, her own will. Not so much in thy will be done, although she had prayed that prayer. She became a surgeon. And in 1999, she was kayaking in Chile. And her kayak flipped, and she was thrown underwater nine feet deep, no air. Her body was badly damaged on the rocks. She was underwater for 30 minutes. And the people she was with eventually retrieved her broken body and pulled her out onto the shore. They figured it was too late for anything, but they administered CPR, and eventually she started breathing. Later on, she explained what she had experienced while she was underwater. She said she experienced Christ holding her and telling her that everything was going to be fine, whether she lived or whether she died. And she was led on a review of her entire life and was surprised that this review contained very little judgment. It had everything she said to do with understanding, compassion, and grace. She said she was 
shown the beauty that came out of every experience of heartbreak, challenge, and disappointment in the past. Now she does what we should all do with the miracle of our faith. She shares it. She tells her story. You probably have not had the same miracle that Mary Neal had. Very few of us would have. But you have had the miracle of God acting in your life. Faith is just one. Faith is just one of the many fingerprints of God on your life. When Mary and the Bible says they have run out of wine, you, you may have thought that she was speaking to you about your life. Maybe you feel that you have run out of wine. And so I invite you in this moment to take in your hands the, the cup that Jesus pours water into and raise that cup to your lips and taste and see if that wine has not become the blood of Christ, abundant, spilling over, shed for you. The best wine ever. It tastes it tastes just like heaven. And its color is the color of love. So go forth this fall and share your faith with joy and thanksgiving. Amen.